0: Welcome everyone to the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the new horror flick, A Quiet Place 2. So you haven't seen it already, go ahead and warning, major spoilers ahead. And welcome to this edition of Friday Flicks. Guys, real quick, I've been meaning to do this for a while. I just want to take a moment to just thank each and every one of you, each one of you that take the time to listen to my show. I really do appreciate it. It does not go unnoticed. Um, I don't have all the analytics in front of me right now, but I just want to run through a few of them right now. But as of right now, The Southern Spectre Podcast is uh, being listened to in the United States, of course, United Kingdom, Russia. We see you. France. Thank you. Canada. Thank you. Denmark. Thank you. Germany, Sweden, India, Netherlands, Australia, Paraguay, Pakistan, Belgium, Ireland, Puerto Rico, Poland, Italy, Brazil, Sri Lanka, Iceland and Austria. All you guys out there that are listening in other countries and the United States, thank you all so much. It just means the world to me. Thank you guys for making my day. Each and every one of you who listen, I hope you enjoy this show. I hope you continue to enjoy this show and feel free to interact with me at any time through social media. Uh, You can reach me on my Instagram, uh, Instagram instagram.com forward slash the Southern Spectre. You can also find me on Facebook facebook.com forward slash the Southern inspector podcast. And you can also uh, email me, feel free to email me. I do not mind at all. You can reach me on email at the Southern inspector podcast at gmail.com. I really do appreciate it guys. I promise you, it does not go unnoticed. I feel it. It You don't know. You guys don't know how it makes me feel. It feels awesome. And like I said, thank you. And not to mention, we are approaching. uh I've been doing this. A little short of a year. I think September. Yeah, I think September will be a year. So we're just a hair under a year. I think we've been pretty consistent with it. I did take a majority of November off because I was sick. I was oh gosh, it was horrible. Luckily I did not have covid. I did have pneumonia back then. Uh but it was man, it it was great. And I I just really do appreciate this, you guys. And but we are approaching almost 2 1,000 downloads, you guys. 2,000 downloads. I can't thank you guys enough. I hope you guys have been enjoying it, and I hope you continue to enjoy it. If there's anything you guys would like me to cover, a story you'd like to tell me, just reach out to me through social media on my email. But anyway, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. So A Quiet Place too. this is your last chance. Major spoilers ahead. But to kick things off, I just got to say that we had a great movie-going experience. I am not back to feeling safe. I would put it that way with the current pandemic. Um, I know things are lightening up a lot, but on the same hand, um, still not feeling 100% safe with sitting in you know, a theater with strangers. I don't know. I'll put it that way. And that's just me. That's me and my family's decision on that. However, through AMC, we actually were able to rent out a theater, a screen, you know, a movie theater for us to watch this. And I could not recommend this anymore Then I mean, I'm telling you, I enjoyed every bit of it. I did. It's not a full-size movie theater like you are accustomed to, okay? But you get all the amenities that you normally get, plus the fact that you're in there with, you know, because it, it, you can have anywhere between – Uh, Up to 20 people, whether it's one person or 20 people, it's going to be the same price. So the more people you get, the more you can divide the total cost of renting this out. And I honestly believe this is worth it. I mean, look, this was great. I enjoyed it. We could holler in the movie theater and stuff like that. Not that I would recommend that, especially during this movie. Um, it's called a quiet place for a reason, but this, uh, we, we really did enjoy it. This was a great movie going experience. Uh, we took our kids and, uh, we had some other people, uh, that were supposed to show up as well, but unfortunately they, you know, things took a turn and they just couldn't make it, but we really did enjoy the whole movie going experience and going and being able to, you know, kind of kick back a while and just watch something on the big screen. And I really enjoyed it. And this is this is one of those movies that most definitely deserves to be watched on the big screen. So as of right now on IMDb, it has this movie has a rating of 7.7 uh, 7 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 91 percent. And on Metacritic, it has 71 percent. Uh, it says 93 percent of Google users who, I guess, have voted on this uh, actually like this. Movie, but here's the thing: I don't like looking at statistics like that because I know a lot of horror gems and just really good movies get overlooked because of these ratings, and I don't believe that's right at all. But anyway, this movie, I don't, I don't really know where to begin because I'll start here. Number one, it was uh, written and directed by John Krasinski, who, of course, wrote and directed the first one. I have enjoyed him as an actor for quite some time, of course, you know everybody knows him from the office and then of course, he made the he started doing some big screen work and I think he's a great actor i think he's he seems like a genuine guy that I would really like to meet in person. I think he's done a really awesome job so far with this franchise now, from my understanding, there was not supposed to be a sequel for this, but because of the success of a quiet place, the first one that he he just felt the need to go ahead and do it. You know, I think he wanted to give the fans what they were looking for. This movie is great. This is a, without a doubt, this is an outstanding work. This is a cinematic masterpiece. However, it does not live up to the first one. It does not live up to the original. Now, I have a couple of theories of why that might be. In my personal opinion, I believe that there were things that were done in this movie that didn't have to happen. Uh, so we're going to about to get in some heavy spoilers. So like I said, if you haven't seen it or if you don't mind, then please continue. If not, go watch it first. We, this movie actually picks up exactly where the first one ended, exactly where the first one ended. I don't, I can't even recall what day it is. I want to tell you this is day. Cause you know, in the first one, they come up and tell you what day it was. Well, at the beginning of this movie, let's start at the beginning. At the beginning of this movie, we are at day, it shows day one and we're seeing things on the day that things started to go down. To begin with, John Krasinski does make an appearance as the father in this movie for the first maybe 10 minutes or so. And this opening sequence, was phenomenal. I mean, I think he set the bar for where a majority of movies, how movies should set their tones, I guess you could say. And he, I mean, the writing is exceptional. However, uh, you know, you can't get past the production quality of this because visually, these are stunning movies. Even from the first one, the first one was stunning. The cinematography in it is outstanding the acting is top notch all right let's do a little bit of a rundown of the cast okay we have uh Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy I'm sorry as Emmett John Krasinski as Lee Abbott Emily Bunt as Evelyn Abbott Noah Jupe as Marcus Abbott Millicent Simmons as Reagan Abbott of course you know we have a lot of other supporting actors in here as well but I just want to say I think that uh Millicent Simmons deserves a freaking Oscar for her portrayal in these movies. This this kid, this child, I mean, she is a phenomenal freaking actress. This kid blows the roof off of everything uh you know from both of these movies cuz I don't know if she's ever been in anything else, but I'm telling you, this kid delivers. All the acting in here is great. And speaking of acting, I have never I'm not a big Killian Murphy fan by a long shot. I, I don't like a lot of things that he's in. I don't know if it's his face, the way he talks, whatever. I do not care for his acting. This guy completely, completely blew me away in this movie. I actually found myself caring for his character. I really a hundred percent did. This was one of the best movies I have ever seen him act in. And he delivers, uh, more than his fair share of this. I mean, this was, this was a great movie all the way around. Great acting, great production value, great sim- cinematography. The scores are awesome. The way that things are delivered, uh, especially, you know, like in the first one, because, um, Millicent Simmons' character, Reagan. She actually, of course, everybody knows uh, she has a hearing aid, and that, of course, has played a large role in the first one as well as this one as, as as well. And you find yourself when it's from her perspective, there are certain elements that are taken away from us as the audience because we are put in this person's shoes. For example, there it was used a lot in the in the first film that when we were put in her shoes, we couldn't hear things. Okay. It was dead silent almost. And they do this again in this movie, especially in the opening sequence. And I thought, because here's the thing, there was a whole, uh chase sequence at the beginning of the movie we see that John Krasinski is he shows him pulling up to the grocery store He goes in he buys a um a huge bottle of water and a bag of oranges and he's talking to his buddy there at the grocery store and a little Easter egg is shown right there as he's walking down the aisle. They actually show a shot of the rocket if you know what I'm talking about the noisy ass little rocket from the very first film that um uh, their youngest got a hold of in the opening sequence of the first movie. We get that. He goes up and talks to the guy behind the counter and, you know, hey, I, I got to kind of get going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll take care of it later. So he he goes leaves without paying. But he asks his buddy, you know, hey, what are you watching? Because this guy's watching TV. He's pretty into it pretty heavily. And he tells him, you know, some kind of war, some kind of rocket, some kind of satellite. I can't exactly remember what he mentions, but they're both kind of, take a gander at the TV there for a second. And then he walks out, he gets in, the, he leaves his truck there on main street, where in their little town, he then leaves and he walks around the corner to a baseball game where the rest of his family, he joins the rest of his family. So his wife and his uh, three kids are there and the middle boy um, or the oldest son is actually up, you know, he's getting ready to go up to bat. And I think they actually brought the the same kid back that played the youngest child, the one that got snatched at the beginning of the very first movie because of the rocket. They bring him back. And, of course, I, I love the fact that they did not use any de-aging effects on this kid. Because, yeah, you could tell the child was older. But on the, in the same hand, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I would rather that play out than crappy de-aging effects, okay? Although some of it works. Some of it works. But don't overdo it. Um, in this case, like I said, they didn't use any of that. They just brought the same kid back. And you could tell, of course, he is dramatically older than he was in the first movie. So they're out there. His kid's getting ready to, you know, go up to bat. Uh, you see a little small conversation between Killian Murphy and John Krasinski, you know, kind of acknowledging that they are acquaint- acquaintances or um, friends or I guess like, you know, fathers with kids in baseball, I guess you could say. And so, but it's established that they know each other. Their families know each other. The next thing you know, you see this loud rumble and you see like what appears to be like a comet or something crashing to earth. And, you know, everybody's kind of taking notice. It's at this point where a hey, something's not right. And off in the distance, you see this thing crashing and it's not too far. It's not too far out of town. So at this point, it was like, Hey, we need to get out of here. We're not sure what's going on. Let's all leave. So the whole crowd starts to disperse. John Krasinski and his daughter, the other two kids go with their mother and. This opening sequence, like I said, is freaking phenomenal. One of the best opening sequence of any movie I've ever watched. And this is, this is great stuff here. And there's a lot happening, and I can't really cover it all. But long story short john krasinski i do remember this part and it's kind of shown in the trailer there he's get, he's trying to make his way to his truck he gets his daughter in the truck he gets in the truck and then all of a sudden you see a police officer like town sheriff kind of pulls up behind him and kind of is blocking off traffic a little bit you know kind of like hey you know you know y'all be careful and so john krasinski gets out of the truck and kind of walks up to him hey what's going on the next thing you know one of these monsters comes out of Freaking nowhere and just bulldozes this cop's car and just barely missing John. Immediately he jumps up and takes off, gets in his truck. And of course some things transpire. And there's this whole scene with Emily Blunt and this bus. That was a great scene. She ends up having to drive backwards, trying to avoid a wreck with a bus. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of action, a lot of things going on. And if you're not paying attention, you will miss a lot. Um, But one of my favorite scenes here in the beginning is where they're in this bar. There's a bar where people have kind of taken refuge, trying to get out of here, uh, trying to get off the street and trying to avoid these things, whatever they are, because at this point, they don't know what they are. They don't know what they're dealing with. And even still to us as the audience, we don't know what they are. I don't know if that's going to be actually revealed in a later movie because uh, what we do know is that they came from space. So it's safe to assume that these are aliens. However, we don't know what they're here for. I don't know if they're here to eat. I don't know what they're here for. OK, so but just based on what we do know, they come. They don't like noise. And if you if you're too loud, they will hear you and they will snatch your ass up in a knot okay i got very jurassic park like vibes from this scene where everybody's in the bar and everybody's like laying low under the uh under the tables and john's like telling his his daughter you know because remember you have to remember she's deaf and he's telling her you know give another sign to be quiet he's i think that's just his natural instinct you know to the fact that Okay, there's something outside here. We don't want it getting in here, so let's not give away our location and let's be quiet. You could tell there there are some other patrons there that have taken refuge inside this bar, and they're not doing that. okay, One guy's over there, he's reciting the Lord's Prayer, uh, I believe, and then the other uh there's another girl. she's over there, and she's on the phone with her mom to begin with. She's talking you know, the signal goes out, of course. The next thing you know, we get the look at one of the creatures, this thing stalking and skulking about just outside the window and just the shadow of this creature outside the building there, outside the bar. It gave me very Jurassic Park like vibes. And it was the fact that, OK, this thing is hunting us. This thing is is wanting us. It's I don't know what it wants from us, but it's trying to get to us. That's what we know. And so, of course, you got this huge whole chase sequence where the Abbott family is trying to get the heck out of town and back to their farm. And then, of course, it kind of eventually it cuts away. We are immediately brought up to present day. And like I said before, this thing is it it directly picks up where the last one ended. We are in the same room. The woman, uh, Emily Blunt, has just shot and killed one of the creatures after Millicent has used her hearing aid as a device to annoy the crap out of this creature. So this shell on the outside of it opens up. It opens up. It's more flesh uh, showing now, and it's more vulnerable. And, of course, Emily Blunt just blows this creature back to Kingdom Come. And so uh, they, they gather up all their things that they need. And they realize they have to go. They have to leave. Okay. So they grab the baby. Um, Millicent actually goes back at one point and grabs, she grabs like a portable, like an amplifier. It's an amplifier and um, some other things that she needs to. To kind of be able to use her hearing aid on the go. So she's made this whole thing portable now almost. Don't ask me about the science behind it. Because they didn't get into it. I didn't get into it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's a petty overlook. But anyway. uh, Nonetheless. Moving Mm -hmm. forward. Um, And of course we get some great chase sequences in there. Because as they are making their way away from their farm. And heading to. um, You know. And if you remember from the first one. There was a whole, I guess, like uh, like a daily routine that they would do where they would sit up on the silo and they would make sure that the other places around them were lighting the flames, the fire, so that they could see them to kind of say, okay, well, this is, this is who's left, this is who's not. And it's kind of a way to keep tabs on everybody around you. So before they leave, Millicent climbs to the silo. And she gets a, a reading using the map that she has. She kind of circles some places on the map where these places are. And so she's seeing who's still left and who's not. So from there we go and they venture toward the direction of other survivors. The place that they arrive to is kind of like I think it's like an old meal or old depot station almost and, of course, there's a lot of debris and older structures and things that haven't been used in years. And, of course, they, the the person there who is Killian Murphy's character, he's like the only one left of his family and the I guess the people that he had tried to survive with. And, of course, he finds them. He helps them out because they're being chased, of course, when they find them. And there is this one scene that actually just it was like nails on a chalkboard for me. This kid, they are running from one of these creatures, and you see, you don't know who it is yet, but it is Killian Murphy. He's got his his, his gun sight set on these people. Uh, he's kind of watching them through the scope of his gun, and then what we're seeing, this kid is running from, he's trying to, you know, hurry up and get to where, you know, get the safety away from this creature. Sure enough, he rounds the corner, not looking, and he, now they're all barefoot, If you recall, they all walked without shoes in the first one. This kid runs straight into a bear trap. It clamps down, and this kid loses it. Oh, my God. Okay, number one, I don't want my foot to ever be caught in a freaking bear trap. But when this kid, it happened to this kid, Lord, I felt bad for him. And he just screams and screams. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But these things are still hotter on their trail. And, of course, they're getting closer and closer. And his mom consoles him and everything. She gets him up, uh, help with his sister and everything. Uh, she They get the baby. They keep moving on. And before long, Killian Murphy, his character, kind of comes out and kind of leads them to safety. And I guess it's, I'm not sure if it's like maybe some kind of like smolting plant or uh, is it smelting? I don't know. Like maybe like ironworks place. But anyway, you see like this. I don't know if it was a furnace. I think it was like a furnace or a incinerator type thing where it was like a vault almost under the ground, uh, down on a lower level and they can take refuge in there. And that's where kind of where he's been taking refuge, where he can hide out in this vault type incinerator or a boiler, perhaps. I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's in the wall. It's very thick. These things can't get in. So that's where they've been kind of hiding. You know, and that's where if he needs to take refuge, he takes refuge in there. So that's pretty cool. And so other than that, you know, he's kind of got this little layer, this little hideout up on her there. And so they kind of, you know, at this point, it kind of movie kind of slows down a little bit. And, of course, Killian Murphy says his wife was the last one. Um, She died a few weeks ago before they arrived and. But he tells him straight up, you know, you can't stay here. There's not enough food. There's not enough protection. We're going to get each other killed. You don't need to stay here. You're not going to stay here. And, of course, Emily Blunt's character, she, this is when she uh, reveals to him that, you know, hey, I got my child here, my baby. Look at this baby, you know, and he, you know, immediately he's like, crap, you know, what am I going to do? Am I really going to throw out this, 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 these kids and their mother? She explains to him what has happened to her husband, John Krasinski's character. And, of course, he's he's not really feeling any kind of one way or another about it or what you would think at first because he's dealing with his own issues. And that's understandable. And in all honesty, when he says, you know, you guys can't stay here. I can't blame the guy. He has had enough heartache. They have had enough heartache. Let's don't bring any more to each other. Now, Millicent is really good at taking care of her brother. Now, what she does is she hands him a pair of headphones and actually plugs it into a radio where it's kind of like, you know, the, with the babies and the white noise uh, where you can kind of drown things out. And so that's what she does for him, because, of course, there's no radio stations, right? Well, a little bit of foreshadowing here. He's laying up on the bed because of his foot being caught in a bear trap. The next thing you know, she's just kind of like spanning through the through the channels for him, kind of back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, his eyes get real wide, and he pops up off the table. And she's like, "You know what's going on? What's going on?" There's music being broadcast from the radio. They listen, and he tells them, you know, hey, it's it this music, it, it's being broadcast. It something is working. Somebody out there is sing, sending this signal to us. Now, the music that is played is, uh, I think it's Dean Martin, uh, somewhere beyond the sea, beyond the sea. Yeah, Dean Martin. I think that's who sings that. But anyway, it's the same song being. It's like set on repeat. It's playing over and over and over again. And Killian Murphy's like, yeah, I've heard that. It's playing over and over and over again. And she had Emily Blunt asked the questions, well, when did it start playing? He said, it's been playing. And of course, Millicent kind of takes offense to this. And she says, no, it's not playing. My dad would have found it. He listened to the radio all the time. And as you recall from the first one, we saw like his little DJ booth, his Beats Laboratory in the first one, where he would mess around with different gadgets. He would mess around with his uh, daughter's hearing aid and trying to... Find a way to get it back working for her because there were some things, I guess, some problems, some bugs that he was trying to help her out with. And eventually, long story short, you know, he, she basically she tells Killian Murphy, hey, look, I'm like you and hey, you are not my daddy. You are not my daddy. You are not him. You are nothing like him is basically what she tells him. And so you can tell that this kid does not like Killian's Murphy character right off the bat. And she has good reason to. And, of course, you know, Killian Murphy has made mention to the fact that the the other survivors out there in the world are not worth saving. And I can understand where he's coming from, and, and we'll get to that later on in the movie. During the night, Millicent actually drags her brother and brings her brings him into this little vault-type room, this tank or whatever it is, so they can have a private discussion. And she tells him, she shows him on a map, she says... He, they're not listening to it right. It's got to be coming. It's somewhere from beyond the sea. It's it's being broadcast. It's a message. It's a hidden message. They're telling us where they're located. And sure enough, she would. You find out later, she is right, and that so she believes that there's a place. She looks at the map. There's a there's an island just off of the coast of uh, where they're at. I don't recall because I did not pay that much attention to the map of where they were. However. Uh, You can see that the map that she's showing them is just like right off the coast. There's a small island. And if we can make it there, I believe we will find some more survivors. And her brother tells her, no, you can't leave me here. You can't. You're not going anywhere. You can't leave here. And she's like, look, I got to. This is our only way. And so, of course, during the night she gets up, she bolts out, she leaves and she's, you know, trying to get to this island by herself, of course. And see, this is one of my problems with this movie. I think when this movie starting, you know, from where the last movie picked up, I think it told us we were on day 474, 474 days since this whole thing with these creatures has started back on their farm. In the first movie, their dad had worked out certain things, had worked out certain specifics, had worked out certain rules and things to abide by so we don't get killed, right? I feel like every little bit of that was tossed completely out of the freaking water with this, with some of the decisions that these characters made this time around, and I did not like that. <laughs> you know how you have been living since this all started. You know what it takes to survive and the amount of sacrifice it takes to survive and what you need to do to survive but we're going to throw all that out the window so like i said middle of the night the girl with the hearing aid yes i'm not picking on her because she has the hearing aid i'm picking on her because she thinks she can do this alone This cannot be done alone, okay? because there's a whole process of and we got to see this earlier on in the movie uh, during one of the earlier chase sequences where she's they're trying to get into the building where Killian Murphy is. okay? and they're being chased. This girl actually holds her hearing aid up to the microphone that is attached to the amplifier. Got it. At that point, the amplifier is sending out this signal that is driving these creatures crazy just like it did at the end of the first one. And it's at this point that the mother, or I can't remember it was the mother or the brother, but one of them blasted the damn creature to hell. All right, so we know that you need at least two people to kill this because you cannot hold the hearing aid to the amplifier and aim the gun with both hands. You can't do that, okay? Her being uh, deaf without a working hearing aid it is in her best interest to not venture so far from camp but of course you know she needs somebody there looking after her back okay that's the bottom line that's what i'm trying to make she she ventures off uh trying to find this radio station uh on this island and of course this is where the mother intervenes and she ends up talking killian murphy into going after her daughter now, we get to a scene where the daughter has actually made uh, made it to uh, like a like a train. I think it is it a train. Yeah, it's a train. Cabo- it's like a caboose, a train car. And she finds this. Uh, I think she has hurt her feet or the, the path because she's walking on some railroad tracks. One of her feet start to bleed. And because of that, she actually goes inside this train car. She finds a first aid kit and she's trying to get it down. And of course, it's at this point, uh, when she's reaching in this door because this door is blocked, it's kind of blocked off. So she's pushing as hard as she can with her shoulder, trying to open this door and she's reaching through, trying to grab the first aid kit. And when she finally grabs a hold of it, this freaking dead body falls out from behind the daggum door, scares us, the audience scares her. And it's at that point she makes so much noise that she attracts a creature. She does not realize how much noise she has made. She does not realize. That there is a creature that has made its way onto the train car at this point. She falls down. She picks herself up. And as she's picking herself up, it's at this point that she turns to see the creature actually entering in the opposite direction of where she's at. You know, it's the opposite uh, end of the train car. And so this thing is making its way toward her. She's holding the hearing aid to the microphone attached to the amplifier. She turns everything on. It has its effect on the creature, but she's finding it very hard to aim the freaking shotgun at this creature. She fires one shot, uh, barely using one hand. Uh, it hits the creature, but it's not enough to do anything because it's like, you know, it just barely just, it barely grazed it. This thing is inching its way toward her and right before she's trying her best, trying to cock the gun, uh, reload the gun. And at that point, it's just, it's too late. And that's where Killian Murphy steps in, saves the day and blasts this creature all to hell, all to bits. Now, so now we have Killian Murphy and the daughter who are set out to go. Try to find this radio station. <laughs> we have the mother and the son, along with the baby, still back at Killian's Murphy's place. One thing that occurs is that, like I said, these characters, as long as they've been dealing with this, you would think that they have learned by now to make smarter decisions. And I just can't. Ugh. You should have left. Your character alive, John Krasinski, because you had all the answers, you knew everything, and you could have kept these people in check. And therefore, they would not be on the move trying to get away from their farm. Okay? And there. Set it. But anywho, the mom and the brother are left behind. And the mom, you remember the little makeshift, I guess, like the little, little box that John Krasinski, the dad, had actually made for their baby, their newborn baby. Okay, now it had, they would put the oxygen over the baby when they shut the case. Okay, and now this would help muffle the child's screams. This would help with a lot. Okay, end of discussion. So what ends up happening is that before at the beginning when they first leave the farm, Emily Blunt's character actually grabs a oxygen tank because she knows she's going to need some oxygen. Well, at this point in the movie, the oxygen tank is beginning to run low, very low. So she has to make her way back to the farm to get another. All right. So she leaves the kid, the brother, there in charge of watching over the child. He's afraid he's not going to do everything right, which we're all afraid at this point. He's not going to do right. Okay. so she assures him, look, you know what to do. I've taught you everything. You got this. So, she makes her way back to the farm. She goes and gets another oxygen tank. While she is gone, the brother is doing a good job taking care of the baby. For the most part. For the most part. Okay? For the most part. It's at one point where he has finally got this child to quiet down everything. off to the nighty-night time. Nighty slumberland. Okay? For this kid. He places... Uh, the baby in the box and puts the mask over him not realizing how much oxygen is actually left in the tank he places this on the baby and leaves him in there while mr genius decides to go exploring killian murphy's digs okay so he goes up top and he's looking around and so on and so forth he's seeing these drawings and yada 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 the next thing you know he comes across a curtain like a medical curtain now if you would recall back uh to when killian murphy said that his wife has been dead a few weeks well apparently he never disposed of the body not sure what people are doing with bodies these days but he hasn't got rid of the body. Uh, he's placed her on a like a gurney, and she's sitting up there at the upper level of this place. So this kid goes up there, and of course, he's he's a bit of a wuss to begin with. There's no sugarcoating that uh, whatsoever, and so. He thought it would be good of himself to kind of roam around and see what he could get into. Well, he discovered this lady's dead body lying on this cur- gurney when he opened, he peeled back the curtain. And when he did, he freaks out a little bit. He knocks some stuff over. And of course, what do you think is going to happen? Here come the monsters. The monsters are on their way. He realizes what he's done. He rushes back downstairs. Uh, when he does, he gets... Uh, There's like this, I can't really explain it. There's like this huge pipe, almost this, this real big pipe. And it's almost like it tore a hole through the floor and Killy, it's been set in place this entire time. Killian Murphy has used this as a slide to get down to where he needs to be. Okay. He slides down it and he lands on these big, Bags of whatever it is to catch him. Uh, I don't know if it's corn, I don't know if it's um, flour or what it is. But anyway, there's a huge pile of them down below. You just slide down through this pipe and boom, you land on these, a bunch of these bags to soften your landing, right? Well, down below, like I said before, that's where these incinerators are, where, where they used to hide out. Now, there's more than one of them, of course. Now, not that that means anything. But what it does mean is this kid slides down one of these monsters attacks it. When he does this thing actually knocks this pipe that is sticking through the floor down to where down to the lower level where the kid is now with his brother, he climbs into this incinerator. He puts the baby in there. He climbs in himself and pulls the door shut at this point up until this point. When you shut the door, you don't shut it all the way because it has an outside latch. If you were to pull it shut all the way, the latch closes. You cannot escape. You cannot get out. Well, genius, genius kid here actually pulls it too far shut and, of course, latches it from the outside. So he's stuck in there at this point. And when you shut it, it seals and you lose oxygen very quickly because It's a oxygen deprived environment. He does this. And before long him, he's trying to share some what's left in this tank of oxygen with him and his baby brother. Okay, that's that's what's happening. So I'm assuming it's a boy. Isn't the kid a boy? I have no idea. Have they ever made that determination or have I just overlooked it? I have no idea. Anyway, with his baby sibling. Okay. I don't know if it's a, if it's boy or girl. I don't know why. Has it ever been brought up? I have no idea. I'm going to have to go back and research that because I don't, I'm not hundred percent on that now that I think about it. But anywho, um, so him and his, 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 his baby bro or sis is sharing a, what's left in the oxygen tank. Emily Blunt's character, she's making her way back to where her son is and she's carrying, I think it's one or two tanks. So as she's carrying these tanks, she makes it back, and upon arrival, she sees that something's not right. It's at this point where she sees one of the monsters kind of skulking about and checking things out. She sees that the pipe is now down below. So here's what she does. She uses her knowledge of what we learned in the first one, and she actually uses remember the waterfall technique that the dad showed them in the beginning where if it's if it's too much water you know you have a certain amount of water that they can't hear you so they were screaming up under the waterfall which makes sense because if you're around something louder than you are you can talk and you can scream or whatever it's fine well the whole waterfall effect well this plays again here because apparently there is a sprinkler system in this old behind uh, rundown building that apparently still works she begins a fire. I can't remember exactly what she does. I think she blows up one of the tanks. I could be wrong about that. When she does, it creates a fire. Uh the water the smoke from the fire actually causes the water to come down and she is able to walk around this creature the way she needs to. Anyway, long story short, she finally gets down there to her kid, okay? And this time, she gets in the incinerator into the tank with them, and of course, they have a new tank at this point, so mom kind of saves the day. Back to Killian Murphy and the daughter. Uh, they are making their way. They're trying to find a boat, so when they find a boat, Uh, They actually are in like a small little town. Uh, They cross this bridge to get there. They find this boat in this small town, small marina. And he takes her there to it because he had actually went out and scouted this ahead of time. He goes, he finds it. Um, Now, by the time they get there, it is dark. Um, While they're there trying to get on the boat, they encounter this little girl at the end of the pier, at the end of the dock there. And they're like, okay, what's going on? So as he approaches the little girl, he gets down and tries to talk with this little girl. Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And next thing you know, she looks up this evil, maniacal look on her face and this rope has been now attached to behind him and what these this group of people look like something straight out of deliverance has approached them and they've got this huge net with all these cans and bells and such on there and they've attached it to him. And what does that mean? That means he can't run, he can't go anywhere, right? And why? Because if he does, he's going to notify the creatures and they are going to freaking tear him limb from limb. You see this Charles Manson looking guy that apparently is the leader of this little this little clan here and they look they're eyeballing Millicent's character up and down and finally it's gotten to the point where you got the you've got you know what's going to happen they are going to take this child they're going to leave you behind and if you come after us they're going to get you bottom line that's that's the whole setup here Killian Murphy you have outshined as a hero in this scene, my friend. You did phenomenal. I was blown away by the decisions your character made uh, for stepping in for other people. And by God, This was a real crowd pleaser. This was a real crowd pleasing scene right here. I was blown the hell away because I'm like, oh, my God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Oh, my God, do something. You're thinking this guy has no options. He is he has painted himself into a corner. There's no way out. Not in John Krasinski's movie. Oh, my God. This had my blood boiling. I'm like, these these assholes are going to get away with taking this child. Oh, no. So what my homeboy Killian Murphy does. He stands up real slow with this net on and he realizes what he's got to do. Earlier back at the beginning of this movie, there was a scene at the baseball game at the very beginning of this movie. He knew that um, the daughter, Millicent's character, was deaf Uh, and she he didn't know sign language. He didn't really know how to communicate her, communicate with her, but as this movie goes on, you see the development with them because he's getting frustrated because she can't hear him and he doesn't know how to talk to her. You see a, a, a bond that has formed between the two, and it's a it's a far cry from where it began. Okay, and at the back of the baseball game, he was trying to you know there was a, a runner coming into home plate and he was telling her it was like dive dive dive, and she kind of turns around and looks at him. He's like, "How do you say dive? You know, how do you say dive?" He doesn't know how to say that. So anyway, as these guys are leading her away, she turns around and looks at him and he makes the motion as if you were doing a dive into the water into the he says, dive, dive. He's telling her to dive. And at this point, he takes off running toward this asshole snot rocket that's got her and runs straight towards him, wraps this frickin' bell around her. She dives into the water like he told her to do. He grabs this guy, runs back to the end of the dock with him with this net around his neck, pins this guy up against this pole at the end of the dock, And he's making as much racket as he can. And by God, these monsters come and they come with a vengeance. They are tearing these guys that are on the dock, the ones that are walking down the dock. They are tearing them apart. Millicent has jumped into the water. Here we go. He stands there and just waits for the monster to rip into this guy that he's got pinned to the freaking daggum pole. And I freaking lost my mind. It was a great, it was a classic move. It was a risky move, but by God, this was something that was needed. And I loved it. This was one of my favorite scenes right here. Okay. said this part right here, where once everybody's free, uh, he's kind of floating in the water. He, he sees this boat. Okay. And I think the name of the boat was called Sea Star. He sees one monster that is on the boat. And then it's at this point where he is in the water. He makes a little bit of noise. And one of the monsters jumps off, off the boat and tries to swim toward him. It's at this point we discover they can't freaking swim. The monster sinks under the water. The other monster that is on the still on the boat on the sea star, he's kind of eyeballing him from a distance like, well, I'm not jumping in there. And the next thing you know, you see a hand come out of nowhere and grab Killian Murphy and pull him on a boat. It is Millicent. She's got a boat and they are heading off to the island. So they finally make their way to the island the next morning or the next day. When they get there, they walk. They find civilization. There are people there. They're having this barbecue. They're hanging out. They got a bonfire going so on and so forth, because we see the radio tower in the distance as they're on their way. OK, uh, beautiful transition to the island. Once we get there, like I said, we see all this stuff. They approach. They see these people having a cookout. These people are living a normal life. And you see all these homes. They have electricity. Of course, they have electricity. Otherwise, they're you know, there's no way that they could broadcast. But and it's at this point that they like, wow, we could we could be here and my head at this point is thinking, I'm like, you know, they're sitting down, they're having some burgers and maybe a beer or two. Uh, Millicent's kind of hanging out with some of the kids, so on and so forth. And I'm like, you guys can't be doing any of this. This is not downtime. Y'all've got people to get back to. Okay, this ain't, y'all ain't on vacation. Y'all gotta hurry up and get back. Do what you came to do and get back. The whole point of them getting there was so that they could play, uh, use the radio station to broadcast this signal out for these monsters, right? Okay, keep that in mind. The next day, you know, they're kind of given a, a place to stay, a place to sleep, and, you know, the guy that's over the, uh, let me see here on my phone real quick, the guy that's over the place, the guy that kind of, who, who started, who was broadcasting the signal, his character is literally Man on Island. That is his character's name. Man on Island. Uh if you've seen him on other movies, uh he was of course the uh gentleman, I can't say his name. Is it Digimon? I know that sounds like a freaking Pokemon, but uh is it Jimon Jimon Hansu Hounsu? I don't mean no disrespect, sir. I just cannot pronounce your name. But long story short, he was the same guy that played in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy at the beginning where they asked him. He says, he's a man. Haven't you ever heard of me, Star-Lord? And he's like, who? That guy. That guy. The black guy. The gentleman. He, he plays a really good movie. He also played in uh, uh, Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Uh, he played Papa Midnight in that movie. But anyway, aside from all that. He's the one he's talking to and he kind of tells him, you know, he, he kind of describes them how they became to be on the island and, and all the struggles they've had to get there and what it took for people to get there. And so he put it out on the broadcast. So if anybody does have a radio, if they do catch his signal, they can decipher the message like the like Millicent did and come there. And so his plan worked in this case. See, they explained to him about the whole the hearing aid and the amplifier and how they wanted to do this. And so he's going to take them there the next day. So they give them rest and, you know, a place to lay their heads and so on and so forth, Uh, get their bellies full. And so the next day they're going to go out and do this. Right. They're going to head to the radio station. So it's at this point where the next day we see uh, Killian Murphy. He's just kind of out and about. He's really enjoying this, you know. He, he's he's like, "Wow, we could live here. We can make a life here." And all of a sudden, he hears something behind him, and it's like something beating, you know, like something that's floating in the water because you hear you hear the waves lapping over one another. And then the next thing you know, you hear something beating up against the rocks. He turns around, he goes around the corner, and what is there? The sea star. The boat that had the fricking monster on it—it it has made its way to the island. The monster is nowhere in sight. Killian Murphy immediately runs back to the little village there and is shouting, screaming, hollering, and trying to tell people to get inside, get inside. By that time, it's too late. The monster is on its way, and it just terrorizes this little town. Um, the guy that was broadcasting the 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 music. He grabs his child. There was another child that was grabbed up. They both take him inside. They put him in the closet and they shut the door. They like, hey, you stay here. Stay here. They're not going anywhere. We see the gentleman from the radio station, the man on island, <laughs> and we see Killian Murphy's character and Millicent. They all jump in man on islands car and they're racing toward the radio station it's at this point that this thing has he's beeping the horn he's trying to draw it away from the village right from the houses and it's working this thing is chasing them down the road it's at this point where this thing leaps from behind and jumps on top of their car and of course he had to own a freaking uh soft top i think it was a camaro or mustang one of the two can't remember but anyway, jumps on top of the car, rips the 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 hood apart, i mean the roof apart, and of course Millicent's in the back seat. This thing is tear tearing at her, you know, she's ducking down, trying not to get ripped to shreds. And there's this scene, you think this monster has fallen off the back, and of course, there's this piece of the roof that's kind of hanging down, and Millicent reaches over thinking that she's going to like move this thing out of the way. And this thing jumps up out of nowhere. And y'all, I have never jumped so high in the freaking movie theater before in all my life. That was a great jump scare. Yes, it was a cheap jump scare, but I'm, oh man, it come at me. It got me. It tried to get me. It come after me. Show did. They make it to the radio station. Uh, So remember, we're on this island. And at this point, one monster is on the island. Only one. So they're trying to make it in there and they, you know, he, he leads them in there. They're, they come to this garage type place where they go duck up under the garage door and Millicent's in front. She's trying to get in there and Killian's right behind her. And then the guy that's leading them there, he's like, I can't be here. I can't, I got to get back to my family. I can get back to my family. She's like, no, we got to do this. We got to do this. This is where homeboy gets snatched. She gets his legs. You see a, one of the legs from the creatures come up from under the doorway. You know, sweeps his leg out from under him, just like Johnny swept the leg and Karate Kid. He sweeps the leg. He grabs him, snatches him. He's done for. Never seen him again. So Millicent and Killian's character move on forward. They try and get in there. Of course, they have a tassel with one fight with this freaking monster on the island. They do what needs to be done. And Millicent uh, broadcast this signal. Now, of course, back at where mom and brother are, they are being they are under attack as well. And I can't remember what actually led up to the attack, but there's a monster trying almost about to get inside with them because he is he has ripped the freaking door open uh, from this this tank that they are. Uh, seeking refuge in and so the next thing you know he you actually see this monster actually grab the baby uh carriage this this makeshift baby carriage where they keep him in and pull it out and you're immediately thinking oh my god the baby but no you when you see him when he pulls it out some light is shown on it and there's no baby inside whatsoever because mom has actually got the baby held to her chest The brother uh, actually is wearing the headphones, trying to listen for the signal, hoping and praying that her sister and this guy are going to be successful. And he hears the music come through. He unplugs his headphones and holds the radio up to the monster. This monster is being affected of it as well. They end up killing this monster. Uh, Millicent actually ends up beating the shit out of the other monster because, you know, she cuts, she broadcasts it and broadcasts it. They're right there in the studio for the radio station or whatnot. And she just beats the ever loving crap out of this monster. And, uh, kudos to her. It was a great performance by everyone involved everyone did play their parts exactly it's just certain certain things certain aspects for these characters certain decisions that they made did not make any sense to me and i don't understand it i understand that you still have kids who think that okay i've done this i can do this i i get that i i do and i guess that's why for the most part that it was the kids that made the dumb decisions, which if you look at it from that aspect of it, it does make sense. But on the same hand, these kids have been living the same way their mom and dad have, you know. And so it it just doesn't make any sense for me for these kids to make dumb decisions like they have been. They know the risk that they're taking when they do. But anyway, Other than that, this was a great movie, had some great scenes in it, a lot of great scares. However, it did not live up to the hype of the first one. Now, I don't know if the reason behind that is that when the first one came out, we haven't actually seen anything quite like it. Uh, The only thing similar to that, I guess you could say, would be like maybe Don't Breathe. I think that was the name of the movie. But that was, you weren't dealing with monsters in that one. The other movie that I can think of would be, uh, Tremors, which was a great movie into itself. Uh, that was just nineties awesomeness all the way around. And Kevin Bacon, phew, you can't go wrong with that one. But I guess my problem with this is that, like I said, it was a great movie. It really was. I just, I'm, I'm probably nitpicking over this th- this stuff, but. On the same hand, I just, I can't get it out of my head that these decisions should not be as dumb as what they're making them. That's just my take on it. Other than that, I strongly suggest going to see this movie or, you know, watching it at home. I definitely do all day long. I would definitely watch this again. Uh, Definitely one to add to the collection. But it kind of left you, it kind of ended the same way the first one did. Because if you recall, at the beginning of the first or the at the end of the last one, uh we see mom blow away one of the characters. uh, And Millicent was the one to she was the one using the hearing aid, uh, which helped out in killing of these creatures. And, you know, it was a lot the same way of this one. Pretty much the same premise. But one other little thing that I, I don't know if it's little or not. Number one. You're all, you're a radio station that's broadcasting from an island. OK, keep that in mind. And number two, in this new world that we've had to learn to live in, how many people out there actually have radios that work? How many people actually have radios that work? OK, now I'm assuming it could possibly be quite a bit because apparently there are some people that have made it onto the island, there are people that are still coming to the island, but also on that same hand, how many people are going to be smart enough to actually use this signal? Because think about it. If I'm sitting in my nice little cubby trying to avoid Mr. Monster, and number one, if the monster does approach and I hear him outside, I'm going to cut off my radio, right? And I mean, if if you have it working and there's nothing around, you're not going to cut it up loud enough where they can hear it. Right. I mean, am I just am I the only one that thinks this way? I don't know. But anyway, I just I I understand the plan. I do. But unless you notify other people about it, then it's not going to work. I don't know if you got on there and explained it beforehand. I guess that would make more sense. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just tearing it apart. But either way, I did enjoy this movie. So don't think that I didn't because it, it's it it has a lot of it has it has a good bit of heart in it. OK, uh, we can see that through Killian Murphy's character and the bond that he has with Millicent and the length that he has gone through to help this child out when he's lost everything. And he's on the verge of, you know, losing sight of who he is. And she kind of brings him back around to that. And I really enjoyed that. Like I said, great acting by everyone. I really hope they make a third one. However, it has to be directed by John Krasinski because I don't want this between the first one and the second one to be a the beginning of a quite possible magnificent franchise only to be sold off or to be dropped by the original director. I don't want that to happen with these movies because these are great movies. Uh, it was a great original idea, and I really enjoyed it. I'm very impressed with, you know, where John Krasinski has taken these. I just don't want it to turn into a Jason, Freddy, or Predator, or <laughs> Paranormal Activity-type franchise. Or even, look what they've done to Michael Myers. I wasn't a big fan of the original, but you just you, you're you stretching it man you're stretching it nonetheless i'm gonna end my rants for movies today but like i said go check this one out if you if you if you haven't already so guys that's gonna do it for today's episode of friday flicks uh, quiet place part two uh i hope you guys are taking care i hope you're doing well and until next time take care and take care of each other